What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hugigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Solik, and Craig Horlbeck. And we have a very different show for you here today. Uh, we're going to get into that in just a moment. But first, our condolences. Craig Horlbeck and Austin Gale. San yeah. Diego State. All-time run. Came to an end. It did. Uh, but you know what? Like I, I, I couldn't be more proud and happy of this team. If you told me at the start of the season that we were going to make it to the fucking national championship game. I don't care how much we <laughs> lost by. We cut it to five with five minutes left. We made it a game, even though we shot terribly. Just the coolest, most gratifying experience ever. Um, I couldn't be more proud. Great crop of guys. I'm going to miss a lot of them. We have a very special show today. We've been talking about the NFL draft a lot through the lens of, there's just a lot of players in this draft that are just different from the other built players different. in past drafts. They're built different. Is that Ford or Dodge? <laughs> the built different draft. Is this just a meme? Built Ford tough. I don't know. Yeah, that. Yeah. I don't think it's either one. <laughs> Almost. But there's just a lot of outliers in this draft. Like there are just a lot of players that you look at them and you're like, this is not like anything I've ever seen. And we wanted to talk about those guys this week. And, and then it occurred to me that this week is also Passover. And I am Jewish. And if you are not Jewish, you may not know this, but Passover is not like any other thing in Jewish religion. It's not like any other Jewish holiday. Passover is not like any other cultural tradition in Judaism. Passover is like this one of one thing. In fact, one of the main parts of Passover is actually like a Q&A discussion on literally like the question, there's a song and everything. Why is this night different from all other nights? And I realized hmm. that that's actually the big question of this year's draft is why is this draft different from all other drafts? And then I started thinking about it and I was like, oh, my God, Passover and the NFL draft actually have a lot in common. Like the themes of Passover, it's about like renewal and rethinking and rebirth. It's about like liberation, new beginnings. And really, it's like the pa the hope of like a, the Passover spring giving you the insight and the courage to create ourselves anew, which is really drafty. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. But also, if that's not <laughs> enough on Passover, the name of the dinner you do is a Seder which the mm -hmm. literal meaning is order. 
So a Passover saved her, saved her like draft order. So <laughs> you guys are not Jewish. However, I would like to invite you over to my Passover Seder. Oh, and I would you. like us together to answer this year's big question. Why is this draft different from all other drafts for a little draft Passover Seder? And what I'm sure is the most unhinged thing any podcast has ever done. <laughs> this is... This is maybe a stretch even for us, but I love it. Yeah, like I'm learning a lot. We've done an Oscars episode. We did a March Madness <laughs> thing. <laughs> I just opened with like, we're doing an atypical episode today. And I was like, we have a typical episode? <laughs> Good point. Good point. Good point. Yeah, we Good never point. just come in and we're like, all right, top 10 D-linemen. Like, that's just not our vibe. <laughs> I think we should do that one year. Is it just like 14 days out from the draft? We should just drop on the pod like, favorite day three guards. <laughs> do, do the whole thing straight face yeah maybe we take mushrooms at the beginning and then like 40 minutes in we just start talking about whatever we're really gonna have to lean on hyphens for this episode though you know what i mean like i, I can't really comment on a lot of this stuff i don't know well it's it's it's, it's draft pass over. Well, well, well i'm not worried about it but really though so we, we could do we could set the table a little bit here and there is like a little like plate at the center of the of the Seder table with a lot mm -hmm. of things that are metaphors and foods. And they kind of represent the draft. We got the carpus, it's like parsley promise of spring. You got the the moror, the bitter herbs, so you never forget the bitterness of the past you still carry with you, which is, I mean, that's big time for mm -hmm. Jets right there. Jets Ooh, fans, I like that one. They understand yeah. that. The the Caro set, which is like sweet nuts and it's like fused with paste. It's basically like an ancient Nutrigrain bar. It's supposed to represent mortar, <laughs> like literally brick and mortar building a foundation. Like there's a lot, there's a lot wow. going on here. So we can Symbolism. keep those visuals in mind. There's also something to represent <laughs> like a like a lamb that was sacrificed, which I choose to believe is like Trey Lance. Um oh, wow. Oh. Right. <laughs> Trey Lamb. <laughs> Trey Lamb. Trey Lamb. All right. But the the big the big thing with the Passover Seder is the four questions of Passover. Now we're going to go out, we're going to go like more like eight, 10 questions, but uh, the Jewish tradition on Passover, and this is wonderful for us, is the youngest child at the table must read <laughs> the four questions and the elders answer. And so since young Ben Solak is the, is the, is the youngest child at the table, Solak himself is going to go through and read each of these questions. And then Mr. Danny <laughs> Kelly can answer. Like and yeah. then we've kind of got a little Q and a, Till we come to a, you know, a, a general understanding. And so this is good. I like this. Like I get to host because I'm a kid and because it's Passover. <laughs> this is the only way we can get Ben to host a show in the ringer NFL <laughs> network, larger family is just with Passover themes. There you go. So there you go. So, so young Ben Solak, take us away here. The, the first question of draft Passover. First question of draft Passover. Uh, why is Alabama's Bryce Young different from all other quarterbacks? Well, Ben, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Bryce Young, <laughs> he's a bit of a double outlier. He's different in multiple ways. Number one, he is going to be one of the shortest first-round quarterbacks ever. He will be the shortest first-round quarterback taken ever, assuming he goes in the first round. And he's also one of the lightest, too. So not only short, but very slight. And that makes him maybe the biggest outlier of this draft, of the mm -hmm. last few drafts that we've seen. Like he, he has a chance to go number one overall. Like there's rumors he's going to be the first overall pick. If not, he's going to be probably the second overall pick. And we've never Lance seen Zerline mock today had had Bryce Young going one to the Panthers, and then the yep. Texans passing on quarterback at two. Ooh, because they want Bryce <laughs> Young, which is like bananas. <laughs> People get bored doing this. Yeah, it's a long process. I would make the the percent chance that the Texans pick a quarterback at two. I would make it like ninety nine percent. I would not make it one hundred percent at this time. But you know, separate conversation. So the bottom line with Bryce Young is guys his size 
not only have never been taken, quarterbacks his size specifically, not only have never been taken in the first round, but they've barely been taken in like the first five rounds. Like th- this is the type of player, the size of this guy is the type of player you take in like six round. So it, this is a massive, massive shift for the NFL. So like you wrote a really good piece in this to the ringer where you basically laid out that there's only like three first round quarterbacks that have been taken who are under six feet tall. And then there's basically Bryce Young's his listed weights 204. That's fake. It's he's like 190. So it's like he'd be the mm-hmm. uh, there's even just the height and the weight. It's complete outlier. And so I'm curious with you guys like I don't want to glance over this. Why is it bad to be so short at this level and separately so slender? And then I'm curious if you mm-hmm. guys think that Bryce Young can overcome that or if it's worth it. But like, I, why is this a problem? Short is like a seeing over the offensive line, throwing to the middle of the field sort of a thing, right? If you watch, I would encourage anybody to like go watch some Bryce Young film, watch some Bryce Young highlights and just watch how he stands in the pocket. He's on his tiptoes a lot. And it's just because he needs to be as upright as he can be to get the vision on the field. He needs to play the position. That's not, it's not like, oh, he's on his tiptoes. That's bad. But like when it's time now to throw with power, you got to put your heels back down into the ground. Right. And so like there's that aspect of it in terms of seeing down the field. The slender aspect of it is about body armor. It's about taking hits, right? The other quarterbacks who were similarly short and relatively similarly slight were guys like, and we're drafted in the first round, were guys like Kyler Murray, Michael Vick, and Johnny Manziel. All three of those guys, much more prolific runners than Bryce Young was in college. And if you're, you're, if you're going to be this size and you're going to run around and you're going to potentially take hits when you're running, you have to worry about injuries. If you're not going to run around that much, if you're going to stay in the pocket, try to be a pocket passer, you're not going to take bigger hits from bigger players. And there's a concern that if you're not the, the most athletic quarterback, the way that like a Vic was, the way that a Kyler was, you're not going to be able to run around. You're not going to be able to protect yourself. And according, you're going to accumulate a lot of hits on a slender body, and that's going to shorten your career. Uh, and so the, the differing concerns, but that's why you're worried about short, you're worried about slight, and then we have them both in the same package, like DK said, now it's doubly worrisome. And yet he is maybe likely to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. So clearly it's not that big of a deal to these teams. <laughs> I think we're assuming that he will be the first overall pick. Well, I'm just saying, if he goes one yeah. or two, I mean, these are these are huge problems we're talking about, unprecedented problems, and yet he's still going to be a top two, three pick in the draft. I feel like if you're going to be that small and successful, you need a superpower. And I'm curious, DK, does Bryce Young have a superpower? Is he good enough to be going top three at the, at his with his problems? Well, he had 79 passing touchdowns and like 12 picks in college. That's pretty good. But I also know stats in college. You know, it's like what is what is his thing? Like when I watch him, I feel like the creativity is amazing. Is it like, is it the, like you have him as Fran Tarkenton meets Jason Kidd in your draft guide at nfldraft.thereneer.com. Yeah. Why is he like Jason Kidd? Which is funny because if you're like 18 years old, you just have no idea what that sentence means. <laughs> I, I know what that I know. sentence means. <laughs> you're not just, 18. I've seen, a <laughs> I've seen a friend targeting clip on Twitter before. Is Ben just identifying with 18 year olds now? Ben, what are you, are you 25, I'm, 26? Listen, I'm 26. But in this space, whenever anybody says 18-year-olds, they usually mean me, and they're just being pejorative. <laughs> and so it's just an instinct at this point. <laughs> I only know Fran Tarkenton's fast from like the Madden old like Hall of Fame unlocked team, but that's 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 I'm not gonna lie. Fran Tarkenton actually he did a tweet the other day, and I say did a tweet like I'm. In, I, he I know did how a tweet. I know Fran how Tarkenton. Are you as old as Fran Tarkenton? <laughs> pretty. Cl- I guess like he in terms of. Yeah, on the spectrum, I'm, I'm closer to him probably than to you guys. Um, he, <laughs> no he did a tweet 
And he essentially said, I invented scrambling, which is maybe not necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's such a good tweet. Like it's too long ago to fact check him. They didn't keep records back then. So let's be honest. Maybe he did invent scrambling. Um, But anyway, he was the guy who popularized (laughs) it just with his guile and like just running around, evading the, the pressure and making these ridiculous plays. And he did it consistently. And that's, I think, all very true for Bryce Young. But his superpower, if there is one, is his ability to evade the rush, keep his eyes downfield. And and even if he takes his eyes off the, um, like his receivers downfield, he seems to know where they're going at all times. Like he has a very good spatial awareness, ability to like synthesize coverages and all that stuff. You know, and this is another interesting point that I've been listening, hearing on different podcasts. There's this test called the S2 test, which is sort of replacing the Wonderlick. It's basically how fast can you process I don't know exactly how it works, Ben. Maybe you can enlighten us a little bit, but like basically it's like they're given, it's all these different tests, like how quickly you can identify what shape is different in a, like a really quick, like they'll, they'll flash a bunch of shapes and you pick out like which one is different or whatever. Like it's like these really quick, how quickly can you process and pick out and and process and eliminate and things like that. Um, From what I heard, Bryce Young scored tops among all the quarterbacks at the S2 test this year. Guess who was the first last year? Craig, you're going to love this. Kenny Pickett. Brock Purdy, baby. Brock Purdy. Of course. <laughs> oh, my God. How could so, I, how uh, could I yeah. have missed that? While, while we're speaking about Hall of Famers like Brock Purdy, actually, I just texted you guys. Fran Tarkin did, in fact, Solak was not exaggerating. He literally said, quote, I invented scrambling. I said no, it. That was DK. DK oh, said, said it. I'm lost oh, right, When I'm a, an old man, I'm going to do that incessantly. I'm just going to be hanging out with my, my grandkids. They're going to pour some... They're going to pour some milk into cereal. And I'm like, yo, I invented that, John. I like, invented the like, people weren't putting milk in cereal before me. Like, that was me. And they're like, that, wow, that's crazy, Grandpa. If you Google who invented scrambling, the first thing that pops up is Fran Tarkenton. There you go. Google never He's lies. He's got SEO on it now, all right? He's generating a brand. <laughs> the Encyclopedia Britannica says that he invented <laughs> scrambling. Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. If you have any like fa- like family members or grandparents that just kind of claim they invented something. I just, there's always some. No, no, I invented invented claiming you invented, actually, Fran Tarkenton invented claiming (laughs) you invented something. Dang it. I've been had. All right. Next up here, Solak. Take us to the the second question of draft Passover. Uh, Yeah. So, same position, other direction. Uh, Why is Florida's Anthony Richardson different than all quarterbacks? Good question, Ben. Here's the answer Anthony Richardson, he's different because he's the most athletic quarterback prospect ever. The most athletic guy that's ever tested at the combine. Uh, he broke the combine record for vertical jump, 40 inches, 40 and a half inches. He broke the combine record for quarterbacks in the broad jump. He ran a 4-4-3 40-yard dash, which is absolutely ludicrous. If you look at the other quarterbacks in that ballpark, they're all like 20 to 30 pounds lighter than Anthony Richardson. Um, he is an extreme outlier for athleticism, and that is the main and maybe only reason that people are really, really excited about him as a top, top five pick. Maybe, I mean, I think that he did flash, and I think, Ben, we're going to talk about that. He did flash some high-level quarterback traits in addition to being really, really athletic, but like the the athletic traits, the size, the frame, that is what makes him different than every other quarterback in this class and and in most quarterbacks ever. So I just finished charting Anthony Richardson. Um, I'd take him one overall, man. I just, I can't. <laughs> like, I like, the more yeah. I watch him... I, I've said from the jump that he's further along than people think. And the more I watch him, the more I just go, all right, like 
He's late less than people talk about. He's remarkably more accurate than people talk about. And when he's late, it doesn't matter because he has makeup velocity. And when he's inaccurate, it still matters, obviously, because you're missing and everything like that. But he doesn't, it's not like he's like throwing interceptable passes. It's not like he's like missing open receivers. Oftentimes he's trying to make throws with like too perfect of placement and he's trying to like, you know, manage the mechanics correctly and you just got to let him be a little bit more natural. I, I, I walked into the Anthony Richardson hype way back in December, very skeptic. And now here in early April, I'm fully sold. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I find his, I find his film so compelling. I find his, 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 I, I think, I think the number one thing is I just think the, the, myth around how much of a project he is is grossly overstated i like right. he could walk out for the carolina panthers tomorrow and i would pick him to win the division like i i finished his film and i'm in love with him i love him so much well, i feel like he gets the rep as being like raw or whatever because so he's kind of a double outlier because he threw he didn't even throw 400 passes in college and actually i got this from espn in the last 40 years the only first round quarterbacks with fewer pass attempts then Anthony Richardson, who went in the first round, or Trey Lance and Michael Vick. So we'll have the third fewest pass attempts of any quarterback to go in the first round. And so I think that's honestly sticking with the Passover theme, kind of like he's like the matzah of this whole thing. Like Anthony Richardson's the unleavened okay. bread who we didn't have time for him to rise. It's just he came out like, we got to go. We got to get this guy. But <laughs> wow. Are you saying that he is developed, even though he threw like 390 throws in college? There's, I think, a sensation for when a quarterback is like a full project that you're like out there and they don't know what they're doing. Richardson absolutely knows what he's doing. He understands like how he's supposed to go through his reads, how he's supposed, how he's, how he needs to look off of safeties, how to buy time in the pocket. Like he is like, they'll like they're running back. We're going to pick up a blitz and he'll like reset his feet and buy a half second. Like it's mature stuff. Like he knows mm-hmm. like the, the big boy quarterbacking things, the lack of reps is why it's not yet like perfectly ingrained. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to think of a good, like, like in real life example, but like, you know, like the, like the, uh, when you first time you go to ride a bike, all right, stage one, you have no idea how to keep the bike upright stage two, the bike stays upright for like three or four or five pedals, but then it starts to wobble. You don't really know how to like figure it back out. So you have to put a foot down and pop yourself back up. Like that's where Richardson is. He's not in stage one where he's just like, I don't know what I'm doing out here. I can kind of throw the ball far and run around. Like he absolutely gets how it's supposed to work. He's felt like, like he's had good reps. He, he, he knows what it's supposed to be. And now it's just about in, uh, ingraining it. Now it's about just making it, making it habit. I think he's like, again, like you get him with, with a Frank Reich, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'll, there will be Anthony Richardson, rookie of the year, bets place with unbelievable <laughs> swiftness. <laughs> <laughs> TK, when you hear this kind yeah. of athleticism, I feel like we always think about hitting the ceiling, which is ironic because at his pro day, Anthony Richardson literally hit the ceiling. And I guess that's like the new trend now is everyone's going to th- throw a ball into the ceiling to make a point. I feel like but I could do that. It, I, you know, everybody says I could like hit a home run or whatever. That's bullshit. I could never hit a home run. I feel like if I threw it hard enough, I could hit the ceiling in one of these places. It's not that hard. Come on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Coach, yeah. Coach McGoats. I could win the final four. Yeah, I could do it. <laughs> If I crow hopped and like, you know, threw my arm out, I could probably hit the ceiling. Anyway, continue. I'm curious if you think athleticism at quarterback is actually about ceiling or if it's more that sets the baseline of how good Anthony Richardson could be. Like, is he really going to bust if Anthony Richardson is this fast, this big, and they could put him in an offense like, you know, some training wheels and then how he develops as a passer is the ceiling or do you? Or how do you look at it? Yeah. Like, so there is this argument out there and I think it makes a lot of sense that he actually has a higher floor than some, some of these other quarterbacks because he can move and because you can design a run game around him and you can make the foundation of your offense, this read option game where you're, you're adding an extra gap. You're really enhancing 
and making the run game very, very difficult to do, to defend. And then you kind of work from there as that's like the foundation. Then you work from there, like you do play action because your run game is really, you know, stressing the defense. You give him some of these easy one read throws where, you, you know what I mean? Like this is the progression that you could take with him because he has that foundation as a, as a runner. And we see this with like, you know, Justin Fields in Chicago. They're not, they're asking him to run a ton because basically they just need time to get more guys around him and develop. But I think the other thing about like the quote unquote, like development of Anthony Richardson, it's like the same with any other quarterback that's coming into the NFL. I think it's so important how the first few years of his career goes and hi, Fitz, you talk about this all the time, nature versus nurture. Like, are they going to nurture him? Are they going to get guys around him? Are they going to have a good offensive line? Are they going to have a support system where he can actually develop on a normal timeline and not, and, and is not asked to like carry this team on his back because it's just not going to happen. And for 99% of quarterbacks coming into the league, like that's just a too hard of an ass to like carry. Like even Trevor Lawrence a couple of years ago came in, had a bad coach, had a, had a really bad support system. Everything went wrong that you could possibly think of with the Jags. And he could not lift that team out of the rut. And there was a lot of people saying he was like a bust after one year. Um, obviously he's, he's turned things around and, and the team has turned things around more importantly around him. So I think the, the rawness thing is something that gets talked about a lot, but there's gray areas when it comes to development and like he has some of these high level traits, I think the way he moves around in the pocket, like Ben was talking about, he does, he tries to do the right thing, which is, you know, at least he knows sort of what the right thing is. There's some quarterbacks that come into the NFL and they literally like, don't know how to play football. They don't know how to run an offense and you have to like teach them from scratch, like Mitch Trubisky, for instance. Um, And so I think it's overblown. And I think really what's more important is just what kind of system he gets into, how they develop him, if they can do the right things along the way, like, you know, the, the Jalen hurts um, trajectory has been a good example of this. Like he came in, he was a backup for a while. He came in, they, he came in as a starter. They didn't like ask him to do too much. They had him run a bunch and then they got really good weapons around him. And eventually he's turning into like a high level quarterback. Um, And so I think hopefully that's what happens with Richardson. Go to NFLDraft.TheRinger.com if you want to re- read DK scouting reports in the quarterbacks or any of these guys. So, like, take us through the next question of draft passover. Yeah, easy one now. This is a, a, a very soft <laughs> pitch of the plate. Uh, why is Kansas State's Deuce Vaughn different from all other running backs? Well, Ben, it's because he is a Shetland pony <laughs> of a person. He is the smallest yes. person ever to be measured at the NFL combine. That's just crazy to say that. <laughs> That's kind Zero of a tough with- sign at running back. I feel like you, it's not something that people aspire to, to do. Zeroth percentile in height, uh, first percentile in weight, zeroth percentile, zeroth. Is that how you say that? I don't zero-th? know. Um, yeah, I accept. <laughs> lowest I didn't even know you whatever. could be in the zero with percentile <laughs> you can you can it, be it doesn't exist it's first, first and 99 first, first I think that means you're last <laughs> fair enough and that actually reminds me I'm trying to pick I'm trying to find the tweet or the the text chain but uh Nora so nicely texted all of us and, and explained to us what Shetland ponies because there was a lot of questions like why are these ponies so small Ben, can you enlighten us? Thanks to Nora. We besmirched the name of the Shetland Pony. And we were like, why do these things exist? And it turns out it's because <laughs> they worked in the coal mines, right? Because they were low to the ground so they could get in there, lug some carts, but they were sturdy because they were horses and they were wide. And so they could, they could handle the, the tough terrain <laughs> of the coal mine, which hardy, you know, yeah. shout out to Shetland Ponies. Hope you guys don't have black lung. Hope you guys are doing okay. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a huge class action lawsuit with a bunch of Shetland ponies suing the coal mines. But what is like the coal mine yeah, of the NFL game? they don't make ponies like they used to. You know what I mean? The Shetland ponies. 
the sh- back in the day, man, a Shetland pony. <laughs> What's the NFL version? Like what can Deuce, I don't know how to say this politely. Sorry to like Mr. And Mrs. Vaughn, but like what can Deuce Vaughn do on a field? Like he can't block if his arms are the shortest mm-hmm. ever for a running back. Like what's he going to, what is the situation he's on the field? I think that's that is the problem. Is he's so he's small. honestly he's a pretty good <laughs> cut blocker. I'm not gonna lie. Like in terms of like the cut block where you just put your shoulder into a guy's like thighs, he's great. He's got natural leverage, man. It's his aiming point anyway. He's a good cut blocker. We can watch one film. Why would anyone take him over a different running back who's similarly profiled? Who's not I think five the, five? The production, the versatility, the can't knock him overness that he has. Like he's just this little guy. Like he, he, he plays with such good leverage. He's like, Ann bland. He's just, you can't knock him over. Well, let's and, say football <laughs> low man wins. So maybe he's the best player ever. <laughs> I think it's honestly though, just like if, if we're being realistic and serious for a minute here, he's not going to go high no. in the draft. Like he's going to fall because he's tiny, but he may end up li- like lasting in the league for a little while because he can do everything and do it. Well, he's just very small. Um, he's a good pass catcher. He was very durable in college. He's pretty athletic. Like he was playing, like he was ripping off big runs, even though I wouldn't say he's like Darren Sproles explosive. He's pretty athletic. Um, he just has a really well-rounded skill set. Literally the only thing that's wrong. And this is like the Bryce young thing is like, he's just tiny. Um, and so yeah, teams are probably not going to pick him earlier than like, I don't know, sixth round or something like that. But, um, Oh wow. mm -hmm. Fifth, sixth. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I would say like six, seven. He's just, he's so small. Um, I will say when we did 50 shades of running back comps and DK gave him, if Maurice Jones drew how to tapeworm, I have received <laughs> multiple text messages, DMs from people <laughs> highlighting that as one of the greatest moments in show's history. And it's tough to argue with them. Oh, that's good. DJ D- D- with a tapeworm will live forever. It's, it's, yeah, it's incredible. So, like, take us through the next Passover draft question. All right. Uh, why is Georgia's Darnell Washington different from all other tight ends? Oh, that's a good question, Ben. Um, one of the biggest targets a QB will ever have in I'm NFL history. I'm curious to see how long DK can keep up sounding enthusiastic about my question. <laughs> it's like we're doing, like, a children's educational show or something. <laughs> Try to, I'm, like, channeling how I would answer a question with Calvin. Um, great question, Ben. Thank you. He's massive, massive human being. He has the longest, sorry, he has the same wingspan as a seven foot three person, as Giannis, if that gives you an idea. He's, his wingspan is absolutely ludicrously long, and he's very, very athletic for being six foot six, 264 pounds. I think he plays closer to 280 something pounds. He, he slimmed down a bit for the combine, but he is a, he's essentially like a small tackle, but he plays tight end. His hands are almost as big as Shaq's. Jeez, that's, that's insane. crazy. Him having the same wingspan as Giannis is pretty wild. Well, no, sorry. It's not that his wingspan is the same as Giannis. It's that his wingspan is equal to Giannis's height. Like if he put out his arms, that's how tall Giannis is. What? No, no, no. I think no, no. Because you have here that Giannis is not 7'3". His wingspan is 7'3". Okay, yeah. I misread my own writing. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's tough. That's relatable. That's relatable. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, eleven inch hands is always to me. It's like it's so it's so good. It's such a good measurement because people like all the time. People say like like you bring up these 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 measurements. I don't know what they mean. Like thirty three inch arms. Like what is that? Eleven inch hands. Think about a piece of paper. Think about the long way of a piece of paper. Long side. <laughs> yeah. Get your thumb on one edge and your pinky on the other edge. Long ways. Not going to happen. That's 11 inches. That's how big that guy's hands is. 
He could crumple up a piece of paper with one hand, starting from the outside. <laughs> Our MacBooks. I'm on a 13-inch MacBook right now, and I'm like trying to imagine if my hand was big enough to almost touch the whole thing. You know who he's like? He's almost exactly like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's a little shorter than Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi Leonard is like 6'8". He has a 7'3 wingspan, and he has 11.25-inch hands. And Kawhi is an absolute freak in the NBA. And Darnell Washington seems to have almost the exact same specs. Pretty crazy. All right. So with that said, he had like 400 yards or whatever in college. So is he a first rounder? It's like, <laughs> that's the thing. Is this basically a really good blocking tight end that might be able to do stuff after the catch, but realistically he's going to have like two catches for 35 yards every game. And you're actually going to end up leaving him on like waivers and fantasy football. Like, is that person worth taking in the first round? If he just is that, or are you saying he's going to be a good receiver too? Dan. I want you to answer this. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a good old standoff between me and DK there. I would like to take him in the first round because it's funny. <laughs> he's, he's, he's huge. He'd be a great blocker. He'd stay on the field a ton. He's got a lot of value uh, like in terms of, of, of personnel sets and disguising what you're going to do. He's got a really high ceiling. Is he going to catch the ball as much as as we would expect, as frequently as we would expect of a first round tight end in this modern era of receiving tight ends? Absolutely not. Like he's going to be like I would say max out like a five hundred yard receiver, six hundred yard receiver sort of a guy. If he if he gets above that, it's multiple years down the road, and now you're talking about a second contract and big figures. So he's he's a very tricky guy to place. There are some teams where I think if they like if they were to take him in the first round. I'd be like thrilled by it. I'd be like, that's so that, that makes a ton of sense. That's so cool. Like he'd be amazing in like Miami where they just like desperately need an actual impact player in the running game, like a run blocker who they can leave on the field and then occasionally throw him the ball and he'll be wide open and he'll be a nightmare to tackle in space because of all the stuff you have to deal with on that offense. I think he'd be great in Cincinnati. Like to me, he makes a lot of sense for the Bengals in terms of the, the recent investments they've made in the running game. Plus that having the, the pass catching weapons that they don't need him to be a, be a viable pass catcher, but when they get it to him, they just kind of dump it off to him in space and just let him be bananas. Like I, I there's, there's guys and teams for whom he makes sense. I think when, when push comes, to stuff, he's not going to end up around one player, but I love him. Yeah, it's tough because I think the planet theory is there. He there's not very many people on Earth who are his size and move like him. He had like the third fastest three cone time at the combine behind a behind a receiver and a corner, like and he's two hundred sixty something pounds. He's that's just absolutely yeah, but is he good? ludicrous. <laughs> that's the same problem. Ball happy. <laughs> You're not any good. Yeah, he's good. Like, I, I, he do is you good. Think, do you guys think that in general teams and in, in media are just more enamored with size and athleticism and physical attributes than we ever have been? We're better at developing people. So the, the runway for these athletes are wider. Like when you guys are bringing up all these basketball comps for Darnell Washington, well, guess what? In a different life, he's not playing football. He's always playing basketball. It's a powerful. A guy forward. this size with this build, this, this linear, he's not an amazing change of direction. He'd be a basketball player. But now he has an opportunity to play football because we're getting better and better and better at figuring out how to use some of these athletes. So I think absolutely, yes. I think so. The other thing that you have to keep in mind here, and this is, I don't think this is an excuse necessarily. It's just like context. He played on the same team as Brock Bowers, who is probably going to be a top 10 pick next year. Like he's one of the, he's the best tight end in college football and has been for the last couple of years. Like, Absolutely ridiculously good tight end. And so he was the guy who was catching a lot of passes. They were asking uh, Darnell Washington to do a lot of blocking and, you know, sort of the dirty work tight end two stuff. Um, I think that 
teams could convince themselves that we turn this guy into our tight end one and he can do everything for us in the run game and in the passing game. He's not like he's not like a really smooth, twitchy route runner or anything like that, but like he can get up the seam. He's really huge and effective in the red zone. He's actually a pretty good like catcher of the football. Like he, he has natural catching skills. Is it because of the so, eleven inch hands? Like that two certainly would help. Clapping? Yes, I think that would help. Um, and the fact that he he towers over linebackers, like six foot two linebackers, like imagine that matchup. You know what I mean? And so um, I think that teams could talk themselves into this. He's also a f- former five star. Like that matters to teams. Um, I could see him going in the first round. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. All right, Solak, hit us with the next question for draft Passover. Oh, this is going. Why is Pittsburgh <laughs> defensive tackle Kalijah Kansi different than all other defensive tackles? Oh, that's an interesting question, Ben. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> thanks, Dad. <laughs> Kalijah Kansi, a hundredth percentile. I guess we've established that doesn't make any sense. 99th percentile in the 40 yard dash there we go. and zeroth slash oneth percentile in arm length. In other words, this guy, this guy is extremely, he's an extremely, extremely explosive, fast T-Rex. He has very small arms. (laughs) Uh, And that's a problem for defensive linemen. That's a problem for any player, but especially defensive linemen because they need to got, they need to keep guys off of their chest, off their frame. Like if you can, if as a blocker, as an offensive lineman, if you can get into a guy's chest and like lock in, it's difficult to disengage from that. And that's why you see like Aaron Donald, he has, he has longer arms than him. And Aaron Donald's really good with his hands, really strong punch, all that stuff. He can keep guys away from his body. The big question here is, can Kansi do that? And the Aaron Donald comps keep coming. Cause Aaron Donald went to pit and was short, but right. Aaron Donald's also, I think mm-hmm. the best at like the best quickness athlete I've ever seen in person. Yeah. Kalijah Kansi is a bowling ball, man. He's, he's a, he's a mini fridge on a skateboard. Like it's just not <laughs> mini fridge on a skateboard. <laughs> the lack of length is such an issue, right? When we talk about sub 300, let alone sub 290 pound pass rushers on the interior in the NFL, who comes to mind? Like name a good interior pass rusher who's sub 290. Is Grady Jarrett sub 290? I don't know. 
Yeah, so Grady Jarrett's like right around 200, uh, 295, I want to say. Like his weight of the combine was just under 300. Yeah, 291. So, okay, Grady Jarrett. Who else we got? I mean, no, I mean, he's fourth percentile in weight. There's nobody. Like, and also Austin yeah. Gale. <laughs> are, also, go Aztecs, Austin Gale, San Diego State. All right, Pete. Austin sent us the note that in the last 10 years, no defensive lineman with arms as short as Kalaja Kansi has played 600 snaps in a single season. And 600 snaps is a really good barometer for just being a starting player. In other words, he is a he, he's a rotational sub-package guy, probably at, at best. So why is he a first rounder? Like, why is he going to go in the first round? Or will he just not? I don't know, brother. I Nobody can explain it to me. And they're like, well, did you watch <laughs> him, that one pass rush against Tennessee? And I'm like, yeah. Did you watch the other 35 attempted pass rushes against Tennessee? Like, what are we doing? Like, I, the, the thing is, like, when you get guys who are this light, who are still good rushers, they're usually super long because they're able to keep the, the play, keep the body away from their frame. They're able to, to, to beat the guard further away from their body. Kansi does not have that in him. So when he, when the ball snapped, Kansi stands up straight. He's six foot. And then he just tries to like cross over the guard. Like he's trying to do like basketball stuff, like blow by him and like get underneath him. If the, if it ever becomes an actual battle of like strength and power in the trenches, which spoiler alert, most trench plays end up like I have my two hands on you. You have your two hands on me. Let's see who wins. He doesn't, he doesn't, he does not have NFL caliber ability. Like I, I am stunned that he is a round one guy. I am shocked that people view him as like a high caliber pass rusher in the league. I, I'm not there on Kalaja Kansi. This is not, this is not necessarily the same thing, but like if you go back a couple of years, Puna Ford, he was the Puna. big 12 defensive lineman of the year, like really explosive for his size. Um, he was checked in at 5'11", like 300 ish pounds, but he was 5'11". And this is the thing that we're talking about. He went undrafted (laughs) like he was really productive, but he was very short, uh, not not very much length there. He went undrafted. And we're talking about Kalaja Kansi as a first rounder. I'm not saying that Kalaja Kansi is Puna Ford. I think Kalaja Kansi has a very good argument to go like early day two or day three or sorry, early second round or third round. But the idea that he goes in the first round is is an interesting one because he is an absolute outlier size wise. It, yeah, and like Puna was 300. Puna could play the nose. Like right. Kansi can't. Kansi's only going to get on the field on third downs and is only going to get a sort of pass rush profile with which he can be successful if the entire rush is predicated on the idea of giving him a two-way go against a guard in space. I said juice is not worth the squeeze for me. I can't get there. All right, well, next up, someone whose juice is worth the squeeze. Solak, next Passover yes. question here. Why is Georgia's Nolan Smith baby? different than all other pass rushers. <laughs> Great question, Ben. Um, Thanks, Danny. Thought of it myself. He is one of the fastest pass rushers ever and also one of the smallest. Six foot two, 238 pounds. Uh, he has a 99th percentile 40-yard dash, 98th percentile vertical jump, second percentile for weight. Uh, he runs and jumps like he's a wide receiver, essentially. He, he, like if you look at... He's like a DK Metcalf level athlete. But he plays pass rusher and he's six foot two, 238 pounds. Actually, can they just turn him into a receiver? That might be a kind of I was going to say, actually. why isn't he just like a tight end or a wide receiver? <laughs> His yeah. measurables yeah. are like if Cordero Patterson gave 15 pounds. Like, it's, right. like what was in the water in, in like 2000 or 2001? Right. All these guys are great athletes, but just small. It, like, does that mm. say something about the league or is that just a weird quirk of this year? Yeah. So it says something about the league. 
uh, it goes back to the Darnell Washington conversation. In another world, this guy would be playing basketball. Like, it's not that there's an increase in 235 pounders who are very fast that play edge. It's that these bodies, guys who can carry up to 235, 240 pounds, who are great athletes, we are now putting them at edge rusher, whereas previously we put them at running back and they only carried 225. Previously, we put them at wide receiver and they only carried 220. Previously, we put them at tight end and they carried 240. Right now, like we, we've... 15 years ago, you could not conceive of a sub 250 pound pass rusher. Now we got a lot of them. And so, so it's okay. You know, Nolan Smith, you're coming up and we're seeing what your frame is, seeing what you're going to look like, seeing your athleticism. All right, where do you want to play? Playing the offensive off side of the ball, defense side of the ball. Okay, you're a crazy recruit. You go to Georgia. Where does Georgia want you? Pass rusher. They want you an outside linebacker. That's where they want you. And so you, you put your reps there and now you're going to play in the league there. Previously, that body type never made it to the defensive side of the ball at pass rusher. If anything, they were playing linebacker, right? And so it's 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 changing parameters for these positions that then create guys who are like, oh, he's the third fastest edge ever. It's like, yeah, well, he's also one of the lightest edges ever. That's not an accident. That's on, that, That's how that happens. That's correlated. From the same thing Austin said. So again, 600 snaps as a baseline because that's like a good rough thing as a starter. Uh, Austin's only three players weighing under 240 pounds have played 600 snaps in the last three years at, at like it's a pass rusher. And like wow. it, one of the only one of them's good. It's Hassan Reddick. So that combined with something I saw from Bruce Feldman, at the athletic this week, he, he had a bunch of like anonymous quotes from the college coaches and stuff. And the thing on Nolan Smith was basically they're like, Nolan Smith's really, really athletic. It's from an anonymous coach, but I don't know if the athleticism translates to the game tape. I do think he's a really good football player, but you felt like you could get, if you could get your hands on him, you could control him. I worry he's going to get swallowed up by those big tackles. DK, this feels like the kind of player that if it goes wrong, it'll be very quick and very obvious. Or, and if it goes right, it will take a couple of years. Do you, would you take Nolan Smith in the first rounder? Is if like, do you think it, the athleticism does translate to the game tape? Yeah, I do. Um, I do think there is a concern that he's too small. I mean, I think that's legitimate. This is why he's an outlier. Like, it is a concern. It's a legitimate concern. However, I do think I see the athleticism on tape. Like, I see the explosion. The uh, natural ability to bend and turn and flatten to the quarterback and get back into the pocket, all that stuff that you look for at a, at, at the uh, at the edge rusher position. It's like he has all that stuff. I just think the big question is, can he get into a situation where he's not going to be getting enveloped or overwhelmed by bigger tackles? You know what I mean? Like have to put him in the position where he's rushing off like wide. Don't put him in at like right over the top of the tackle and ho- hope he's going to like take on big blocks and stuff in the run game and all that stuff. Like put him on the edge, let him rush. Um, you know, try and put him in situations where he's going to be able to use that athleticism and speed versus, you know, there's a lot of like, there's Will McDonald is another example of a really small guy coming into the NFL. And like, you know, and in his system, they played him, at, I think, like a four eye or, or like heads up with the, with an offensive tackle where like that's just not going to be a good situation for this guy in the NFL. So I think it is about landing spot and fit with Nolan Smith. And, and the size is a legitimate concern. However, I still would be willing to take him in the first round because I think the explosiveness, the athleticism, um, the versatility, I'm going to put him at receiver. I actually looked it up at the RAS, the RAS score, the relative athletic score. He would be a 10.0. He'd be the most athletic receiver of all time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I compared him and DK Metcalf and DK Metcalf was a nine, 9.67. So like one of the top guys ever. And Nolan Smith is a just 10 all time best. That quote from the coach kills me. Like, oh, we really felt like if we got our hands on him, we could control him. But if they had a 240-pound edge, you get hands on him, you couldn't control him, that player would be Lawrence Taylor right. incarnate. What are we talking about? <laughs> if we got hands on him, we could control him. 
I'd hope so. You got 70 pounds on him, man. You better. That's that the, the coach quotes are always incredible to me. I love them so much. So he kind of contradicts himself. He says he's really athletic, but it doesn't show up on tape. And then he says he's talented, explosive, twitchy. What? Okay. Who are you? What? I'm not sure what he's saying. Coaches are great. We might need to do a whole episode (laughs) on anonymous quotes, but next up. All right, let's do our, let's do our next Passover draft question. Why is Ohio state's Dewan Jones different from all other offensive tackles? Oh, good question. Uh, what Jones. is with this bit, TK? <laughs> I love it. I really like it. Actually. It's getting, it's get, I thought it would get. I thought it would get like lighter, like less exaggerated as we went on. It's getting more exaggerated. I'm loving Can't it. Say We're the peaking. damnedest things, Ben. You just say the damnedest things. I love it. Um, <laughs> he might be the biggest offensive lineman in human history. Uh, 98th percentile in height, 99th percentile weight, 98th percentile wingspan, 98th percentile arm length, 99th percentile hand size. This is a large human being, six foot eight, 374 pounds. Um, they call yeah, him I mean, Big Thanos. <laughs> there you go. Like the Avengers. I like that they just don't, like Thanos isn't enough, as if he wasn't already big giant Thanos. Thanos. Yeah, yeah. Big Thanos. <laughs> like, no, no, no. He's like, big Thanos. <laughs> His, speaking of the wingspan, set, again, seven foot four wingspan, uh, which is like the Giannis wingspan or Kevin Durant's wingspan. But, uh, but he's 130, 130 pounds heavier than Kevin Durant. Thanos is eight, eight foot three, according to my research. And in the Marvel comics, he's six, seven. So, so should we call wow. him Little Thanos? Wow. They haven't made him Thanos. platform Thanos. shoes for the movies. He was standing on a box while they were filming Endgame, man. Anyways, he's a large, large human being. Um, and he, this is the question with like the Nolan Smith versus Dewan Jones. It'd be fun to watch these two go up against each other um, because you know, he just engulfs people. He just, if you get, if he gets his hands on you, it's over because he's so big and so strong and so physical and so heavy. It's just like you can't escape his grasp. It's like he has a gravity. You can't escape his gravity. There's an event horizon. If you get too close to him, you're not getting away. It's an like you're sucked horizon. into, <laughs> you're sucked into his, his gravity. So um, there's that, I, you know, he's obviously got question marks about his foot speed, his ability to like deal with speed off the edge. But he's a big, huge, like power tackle. I think he's best on the right side. And, you know, he could just go out there and manhandle guys. But, you know, you have to maybe you have to help him against speed or whatever, like do things to like make sure he's not going to get beat off the edge. But he has such good length. It's, it's actually kind of hard to run around him. Austin, some, Austin had some great research for us. And he noted that. So Dewan Jones, his 10 yard split in the 40 yard dash was basically 1.9 seconds. And it was really slow. Basically, there's basically been in, in the 21st century one offensive tackle to be that slow in the 40 yard dash and actually play in the NFL. And it's like Morgan Moses. Yeah, but there's no, there's like two guys his size ever. <laughs> is the thing. Here's here like draft simplifications are always tricky. But one that I firmly and truly believe in is that there's a there's a threshold, right? Where if you're just this big, you're a good tackle. Like, not the best, not like a tier one, tier two tackle, but you're a functional starting tackle. And one like Orlando Brown has passed that tier. Jordan Mailata has passed that, that, that tier. Daniel Falele, the fourth round pick out of Minnesota, who's with the Ravens right now, he's passed that tier. And DeJuan Jones passed that tier. It is hard to get around enormous people. It is hard to get around or through large, enormous people. And so DeJuan Jones is good, and that's all the information I need. So basically, height in the NFL, it's like if you're like on the short end, like Kyler Bryce showing the questions, are you tall enough to ride the ride? But eventually, if you're Dewan Jones, you're like, actually, buddy, you're tall. You're so tall. You are the ride. (laughs) 
Are you big enough to get around me? No. Did you know that this man, his first love is basketball and he got D1 offers to play basketball? Would he be the heaviest basketball player ever? <laughs> what about Zion? It, this dude is 375 pounds. Yeah. That's not how much Zion weighs. Like <laughs> I just heard about Zion being overweight for like six months. I don't know what he Dude, ate. this guy is 25 pounds away from being 400 pounds. <laughs> oh my God. You got D1 offers to play college basketball? That's unbelievable. Also, hey, hey, he's 6'6". Hey, six, six, how could he? Like, he's 6'8", 380. How could you not? Man, you should look up photos of him playing basketball. It's it's insane how big. The funny he is. thing about Dwan Jones too is like seventy nine percent of his weight is just like in his solar plexus. Like he is so top heavy. Yeah. He's, he's just like, his, Johnny his build Bravo is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got a wing, wingspan. Um, Craig, how big? How do you do you know approximately how heavy Shaq was near the end of his playing career? I think Shaq was like three twenty or something. Really? Okay. I don't. Shaq was not three eighty. Yeah, Shaq was also taller. So, yeah, Shaq was like seven one or something. All right, so like, give us give us our next uh, draft passover question. Uh, why is it this is six seconds long? Why is Emmanuel Forbes different from all other cornerbacks? Terrible question. This one sucks. Wow. Just kidding. Key change. Great, great question. He's one hundred sixty six pounds. He's tiny. Six I'm foot out. one. Six foot one. One sixty six. Wow, <laughs> that's skinny. Um, zeroth percentile in weight among quarterbacks. Again, I don't know where we're getting these percentiles, but it's very small. One percentile. Um, first, yeah, I think is how that. No, one. We established one at the beginning of the show. We're going to keep one from here on oh, out. Oh Christ, well, Craig, I'm about losing first it. Percentile is confusing. I'm losing it. <laughs> oh, sorry. So about first percentile is confusing because that sounds like top percentile and it sounds it like it's good. Is yeah. one theme even a word? That's not a word. No. <laughs> nope. You've been saying it this entire time. Have I been? <laughs> God, it sounded right. Oh, tell me you're like a really sleep deprived father without telling me you're a sleep deprived father. Yeah, Calvin, Calvin is. Stop me if you've heard this before. He's sick again. Um, so I'm <laughs> watching oh, him today. Baby. He should just play yeah. quarterback for the Ravens. It sounds like Emmanuel Forbes is sick too. That man needs to put on some weight. Talk about a tapeworm. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be clear, we were, Deuce Vaughn is eight inches shorter than Emmanuel Forbes. <laughs> Forbes and thirteen pounds heavier. Oh man! Wow. Yes, Emmanuel Forbes is a string bean. It is. Uh, it is not tenable, right? Let's let's read off some other sub one seventy five pound corners. Stop me when we hit a name that you know: Marvin Love, Cedric Williams, Kevin Brooks. Okay, Nickel Roby Coleman, uh, Ham Cheevers. <laughs> Any Ham Cheevers fans what? in the chat? Who's what was anybody the big on Ham Cheevers? Hamp. Uh, Bruce Johnson, Will Fontenot. Anybody on Will Fontenot? Richard Robinson, Jack Jones. He's with the Patriots. Scott Starks. Jeremetrius Butler. Yo, no, so like he messed up. This should have been two jargons and a lie. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, uh you can't, I practically, don't think you can play at this size. I was gonna say, practically speaking, what's the problem here, Ben? Like he's just gonna get manhandled. You can't hold up. Like, yeah. Uh, you're gonna when when receivers go to to play you with physicality, right? Win at the catch point, they're gonna have 50 pounds on you. When you go to tackle a wide receiver, tackle a running back, you're not gonna have stopping power and the hits are gonna accumulate and, and it's gonna shorten your career. Like it's just you need muscle mass. You need density to play in the NFL. It is a physical contact sport. And Emmanuel Forbes, not for not trying, just simply can't put it on, right? And like I would have said all the same things about Devontae Smith. And Devontae Smith is out here just like bouncing off of contact like he's made of 
rubber. Like he's made of elastic. Like he's, he's but he is the exception that proves the rule. So anytime mm-hmm. anybody goes, oh, but Devonte Smith, it's like yes. The reason why he comes to your mind is because he's the only one. He's the he's shining example, and he stands alone as a guy with a super slender build who can hang. Other than that, it's just it's not tenable. There's a chance this guy's a second rounder. If it, like it seems wow. like he's got quite a bit of buzz too. Yep. Um, but he's gonna be really good if he's asked to match up with Tutu Atwell, though. I know that much. <laughs> Imagine that great a high school wide receiver corner battle right there. Hopefully, it's I not windy. I would love to watch. I would love to watch a doc. <laughs> it's not windy. I would love to watch a documentary series about guys trying to put on weight, like as a professional athlete. Well, that's the thing. So, I mean, he's 166 pounds at the combine, but we all know Bryce Young put on like 15 pounds of whatever weight, like for the combine, just to lose it for his pro day. What is Emmanuel Forbes actually playing at? This if is, his official measurement at the combine is 166. This is what I was saying when we talked about. Like Bryce Young, number one, Zay Flowers is another example. He gained like eight or nine pounds in the process. The ability, like the sheer actual ability to gain weight is telling the NFL something like I am capable of gaining weight. I think a lot of these guys that come in way smaller and way lighter than, you know, teams are thinking or expecting like that's a worrisome thing because they cannot literally cannot gain weight. You That's I mean? why we like, did the Passover episode. We need to get these guys a Jewish grandmother. All these teams need to have a Jewish grandmother and a retainer just to make yeah. these kids. Get, you're skin and bones, just Emmanuel. Drink, drink right. a shake like four times a day. I don't care. Do something. DK, how quickly do you think you could put on eight pounds? Ooh. Uh, like in a week? Yeah, probably a week. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure in a week. I yeah, lost, I think so too. How much yeah. did I gain at the combine? Uh, yeah, that was about yeah. a week, like five what days. What happened to the 40-yard dash? <laughs> you ran a 4-3-5 40-yard dash. I've lost 10 that. pounds what? since the end of the season by just simply just by actually normal. thinking about what I eat and not being right. on the road. The speed with which I could recover those 10 pounds. A Devon A-chain level, level speed. There you go. Uh, to be clear, I actually like uh, Witherspoon, I think like he or, or sorry, not Witherspoon, um, Forbes. I because the, here's the deal: like he has what was it, six pick sixes in his career or something like that. Like he has really good ball skills, really good instincts. Like there's definitely things to like about this guy. But again, well, yeah, if, the, he, if he turns sideways, QBs can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> he's one, he's two dimensional. <laughs> just flat Stanley out there. Just, that's oh how he's three dimensional space. DK, you got to put that in the. You got to oh put that in the, in the NFL draft guide. <laughs> flat really Stanley. Good. NFL draft. Yeah. We're going to update that. You're yeah. going to, you got to put flat Stanley in there. Emmanuel Forbes, an ideal flat corner, but it's not the flat area of the field. It's just <laughs> ideal two dimensional corner. Oh, that's funny. Oh my God. Also, wait, DK, you mentioned Devin Witherspoon. Well, we're talking about outliers here. I, I, I want to mention like the, I'm curious about Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez just while we're on quarterbacks, because so like you mentioned Devin Witherspoon um, earlier this week. You were talking about Devin Witherspoon. If he goes in the first round, he's the cornerback out of Illinois in that he would be the first cornerback taken in the first round under uh, 185 pounds in like five years. If you look at just corners taken like who are under 190 pounds, so you give him a little bit of room. He's 181 in like the first 20 picks, because that's probably where Devin Witherspoon's going to go somewhere in the first 20 picks. The list is Denzel Ward, Adoree Jackson, Trey Waynes, and Kevin Johnson. It's a whole list. You typically don't see guys this small go this early at corner. If you make it 185 pounds, the list is Denzel Ward. And that's concerning. <laughs> this is a worrisome place to be, everybody. Um, Thought he froze yeah, for a so, second there. Yeah, Witherspoon as a like corner who's a little bit under six foot, a little bit over 180. Not that 
rare. Witherspoon is a round one player at that size, really rare. Uh, and he's a very good example when we talk about an outliers draft, right? Draft is a ton of outliers of how teams and coaches will talk themselves into a player with outlier size because of how they play, because of their demeanor, because of their skill set, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about like, Kalijah Kane's going to be a first rounder. How? Emmanuel Forbes is going to be a top two round player. How? Like, this is crazy. Well, Witherspoon's also like a little bit of an outlier relative where he's going to go, but it's because of the quality of his play. This is where like kind of the tape starts to take over the, the trends. You go, okay, but I really trust and believe in this guy. He has outlier levels of dog in him. This is the deal. <laughs> Did that? Exactly. Like, because there, the, I was fast again, that Bruce Feldman report at the athletic with all those anonymous coach quotes. I know it's anonymous, whatever, like it, what can you, but however, the Christian Gonzalez, like again, the Oregon quarterback, like the better athlete, not like the outlier 100th percentile, but you know, merely 95th, 90th percentile and everything. And the quotes from the coaches were on Christian Gonzalez, who I think is widely considered probably going to be the first cornerback taken in the draft, maybe. And the coach quotes on Christian Gonzalez are, I thought he was a good player. But we did not think, let's not go at this guy. He's not Sauce Gardner. At the line of scrimmage, we thought we could beat him release-wise, and it's not like he had, it's not like we had a great receiving core. And then the stuff they said about Devin Witherspoon, one coach was like, we put an X on our scouting report to go away from Devin Witherspoon. We were scared to attack him. Another coach said, his physicality is different. Not many cornerbacks are that tough. He's special. I think he's got savvy about him, understands the game. He made you really leery of throwing the flats. I'm glad he's gone. And then the third coach said, by far the best cornerback in our league. And it's like, I don't know. It's why would Devin Witherspoon not be the first player cornerback taken with all that said? Like, is it really just about, is the athleticism that big of a deal? Like, that's that's yeah. incredible stuff to hear. It. Yeah. I mean, it's the size thing. Yeah. Yeah. Gonzalez came in at a good height weight and tested great. Witherspoon didn't test because he's got a hamstring problem. And so, like, that's going to really matter for those teams who rely on that sort of stuff. For those teams that don't and, 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 we're going to rely more on film. We're going to rely more on character interviews. Then it's going to be different. And that's why like for months now, it's been like betting markets wise, Christian Gonzalez has been a huge favorite to be the first corner off the board. But every couple of weeks, it narrows a little bit more. It narrows a little bit more. It narrows a little bit more. Right now it's like minus 190 for Gonzalez to be the first corner off the board. Plus 164 this bill. And previously it was like minus 300. Uh, every mock that comes out, right? The most recent Lance Zerline mock, Witherspoon went before Gonzalez. Or no, actually he didn't because Gonzalez went through to the Cardinals. But you see Witherspoon regularly going like six to the Lions. You know what I'm saying? Like there's mm-hmm. there's an expectation that this guy's going to be drafted really, really highly because coaches love him. So it's kind of a flavor thing. It's what what does your team prioritize? Who does your team like better? Kind of how, how, how are you going to build it out the corner position? But Witherspoon is, uh, man, like if, you, if you're... It's like a casual fan and you want to watch the top guys. You know, you Seriously. watch yourself some quarterback film. You watch some of the wide receivers. You're trying to like watch dudes for fun. Go put on some Devin Witherspoon film. Have yourself a blast watching this just 5'11", 180 pound guy throw his body around with reckless abandon. He's sick, dude. He's so much fun. Watch him play Michigan. Like turn on the Michigan game. Yeah. And I say this with like the most fondness possible. He plays like a fucking maniac. Like he just flies around he's talking shit every single play he's a tone setter mm-hmm. he's like he's like the guy that everyone on your team like does not want to play like i don't want to line up against that guy he's fucking so be so mean um he, but yeah yeah so i think i think if we successfully graded corners on just like how deranged are you like how <laughs> how positive right. are you that you're the best athlete on this field we would have the exact correct ranking of corners just like in the league like it would be perfect yeah. one to 100 we'd have them right and witherspoon is one in that class we're like it, it was like the first play of the game against indiana no no no, no. wisconsin other red and white big Ten west team where mm-hmm. they ran like a double move and like witherspoon got beat and like 
the quarterback didn't throw it and like Witherspoon 100% had a bad rep play one of the game and he catches up to the receiver to like get in his face you just got beat <laughs> it's 12.01 p.m i love you got that. a whole lot of game left tiger and he's just already he's already on 100 he's insane i love him so much yes i love that that the irrational like nonsensical confidence like you just got beat and you're still talking shit to him yep. <laughs> that's the best thing this conversation um, right now between me and dk is such a good example of how teams talk themselves in outliers totally it's just like yeah well, well i love him did you watch him he's great yeah, and that's actually how I wanted to like button up this outlier conversation too. Is like there's sort of an, a maxim in scout in the scouting world where if you if you take too many outliers, all of a sudden your team is just a bunch of outliers, and that generally speaking is not a good thing. And it's like why so many teams have uh, like benchmarks for measurables, like arm length. Like we don't take tackles that have less than thirty four inch arms or three three inch arms or whatever. Weight, height. Um, athleticism there's like teams have these established benchmarks so they don't get sucked into this exactly what Ben and I are doing where I, but did you see him play like he's so much fun like did you see Deuce Vaughn like he, he you can't knock him over um, however but like history will tell us that you know the, sticking to these benchmarks you're going to just like hit at a higher rate and that's why teams I think have these established benchmarks and you just want to be careful about taking too many of these outliers zooming out as you were saying, DK, about like bigger picture of all the guys, I feel like we almost need to take the quarterbacks and put them in one bucket and everyone else. Starting with the quarterbacks, if you had to pick, uh, again, since Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson are such big outliers and CJ Stroud's more kind of like a straight and narrow down the middle, who do you think you're more willing to bet on having a successful NFL career? Not necessarily hitting the ceiling, but like who do you think is more likely to have success in the NFL like for like a like a 15-year career? Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson? Oh, like who would you pick? Maybe those are two different questions. 50, if you're, if it's based on 15 years, 10, whatever. <laughs> I was going to say, cause 15 years, like it's hard to see a small guy last that long. Um, I don't know. I still say Bryce young, just because he's such a good football player. Um, and it's Bryce, young, good, but, but it's, small, it's close. Yeah. It's right. Bryce young, but it's close. It's very close. Would you take Bryce young or you guys would rather have Richardson? I I will say my exact same line that I've said on Bryce Young for like three months. I think he's great. Love the kid. So excited for him. He's going to be awesome. I would like to let somebody else draft him. I like it. <laughs> I would I would like to have pick four, and then somebody takes him a pick two, and I go, oh shucks, I didn't get Bryce Young. How frustrating. This, and then this I go is on the, with the rest of my plan. This, this conversation is exactly what we talk about, you guys, when we're doing fantasy football rankings, where you're like, I got to rank this guy eighth, but in no under no circumstances am I taking this player. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> This is like he's up there because he's going to get a lot of volume or whatever. Like, however you want to describe the fan, like the fantasy rankings, like I have to rank this guy in the first round because he's a first rounder, but I'm not ever going to take him. This is almost like how I'm getting with Bryce Young. Like, he's awesome. He is clearly a very fucking good football player, but I am officially like spooked by the lack of size. That's like, how it's I'm actually, do with Derrick Henry. It's I will thing. have to put him in the top 10. I'm not touching him. Just not. <laughs> so, not drafting Derrick Henry. And then of the other guys here, so we got George's Darnell Washington, who's like if LeBron played tight end, we got Kalijah Kansi, who's like Aaron Donald again at Pitt, but like even smaller. Nolan Smith, who's just DK Metcalf playing defensive end. We've got Dewan Jones, who's just like, you know, small Thanos, big Thanos, whatever. Thanos? I like how you say Thanos. <laughs> Thanos? 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 I don't know. I've heard it both ways. It's, I don't know. it's definitely Thanos. It's not There's Thanos. There's no Y, that's for sure. <laughs> you know of all the pronunciations I, I thought i might get wrong on the show I, Thanos, <laughs> I wasn't i wasn't on the guide right. the little pronunciation sheet 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 uh 
But of all these guys, who do you think has the best shot of succeeding? Well, I don't know. However you want to either best shot at succeeding or just who would you take? Who are you most confident in that you're like, I would be like the scout pounding the table. Like, let's take this person. I don't care if they're an outlier. Or like, that's the reason we should. Nolan. Mm. Yeah. For me, For me it's, it's coming Smith. down. Nolan Smith and uh, Darnell Washington. I just like like tight end is I think Washington's going to be a useful player. I just don't know if he's going to be like a high end producer at tight end. And right. in the first round, right. that's kind of what you're looking for. Nolan, uh, I'm confident that I can get double digit sack seasons out of Nolan Smith. And I also think that uh, I can if he's not as successful as a pass rusher as I want him to be, I can find ways to use him as like a rush player and then a drop player. Right. And I use him in, in, in pressure packages and, and then give him more off ball linebacker stuff. And he has the athleticism to handle that. Like think Tyus Bowser with the, with the Ravens. I like Nolan Smith quite a bit. I'd bet on him. Move him to receiver uh, or that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I agree though. I agree. Okay. There's the Seder. And we got a little, there's a little Afi Komen thing at the end where you kind of, uh, you hide some matzah, kids look for it. So I'm going to just do that as two jargon to the lie. I love America's all these favorite segments. Oh, okay. And we're going to give you a little prize if you win. I thought Hive was about to be like, I hid something in your house, Ben. I was here there last <laughs> night. There's something you had to go find it now. Bring your mic. Hive, speaking of, this is a good opportunity. He literally hid something in my house. He sent me one of those giant hats with the number one dad <laughs> thing on it that says number one dad. He says, you know, the Brian Robinson giant hat. And... Mm-hmm. He sent it to my house. He hid it in my house. So it's now it's behind me. I don't know if you can see it right here. Yeah, that was your Christmas gift. And it only came. It's it's like eight it's months April. early for next Christmas. <laughs> That's how I prefer to think of it. Well, they're a very popular brand. What can I say? It's a very cool well, hat. It's a big hat. Well, it's bigger than hats. a normal hat. We got to shout out all the people who emailed us about minor league baseball teams because we did that as two jargons of a lie last week. And people loved it. And we shouted yes. out the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Rocket City Trash Pandas reached out to us. Swag. And they're hooking us up. Hell yeah. Shout out the Rocket City Trash Pandas. You're incredible. The Ruger NFL Draft Show brought to you by the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Coming to your (laughs) ear holes soon. It's all it takes. So with that said, we got an email from Gord giving us more. We're running it back. Two minor league baseball teams in a lie. We're running it back. Gord. Are you guys ready? Is that short for Gordon? Let's do it. The Binghamton Stud Muffins. Wow. (laughs) Okay. The Lakeland Flying Tigers or the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles? Wow. Flying These Tigers is just too, too normal. I'm saying Lakeland Mighty Flying Muscles Tigers. feels real to hey. me. Yeah. Mighty Muscles guaranteed real. 100%. Couldn't be more I confident. can tell you Unless actually, factually, I was in Fort Myers last summer and we actually almost bought 40 Myers Mighty Muscles gear. Is Binghamton I, I, I a real that. place? Binghamton. Yeah. Where, is, where is Lakeland? Binghamton's in New York. You know, like a, a, the lake? Binghamton's like down the, yeah, on the, in the western part Binghamton. of Binghamton. Wait, where's Lakeland? Oh, I was just going to make a dumb joke. Florida. Florida. Lake, it's the land by there. <laughs> yeah, but Next I'm sure it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Lakeland, I, I find compelling. What is a flying tiger? <laughs> is, that, is, that what, is it what I think it is? It's like a squadron from World War II, I think. Stud muffins is tough because they're kind of leaning into like the humorous mascot which yeah. minor league baseball teams tend to do but i don't know if this emailer is is kind of hoping that we kind of get tricked by that yeah because it's working i'm tricked it is <laughs> i think flying tigers, flying tigers flying tigers is flying fake. tigers yeah. is fake flying tigers is fake i also oh. like lakeland might be fake 
You know? Wow, the Binghamton <laughs> Stud Muffins is not real. They're the Binghamton fuck. Rumble Ponies, and they're using Stud Rumble Muffins ponies. as a promotional name. What the fuck is a oh, Rumble the Pony? The Rumble Ponies. Rumble Pony would have just been great in general. So, Any relation to Shetlands? Should have given one Binghamton minor league baseball team in a lie and just done Rumble Ponies and Stud Muffins. This is the New York <laughs> slang for Shetland Pony. Rumble Pony. Yeah. Rumble. Rumble Pony. I think she would call it Duzon that, the, the Rumble Pony? Stud Muffin come to be? Ooh, that's a good. There's a question. <laughs> like, how is how is that related at all? Etymology. I'm Google that because I'm curious. A stud muffin. Wow, there's a. Wow, it's older than I thought. Anybody got anything? Exact origin is uncertain. I found wow. a 1993 New York Times piece on language stud muffins buzzkill. A, th- a muffin is a tasty cake. Welcome a to this year's You're world snack, of fresh Craig. campus slang. Oh, that's that's okay. That's good, DK. Maybe there was a sexy baker one one day, and someone's like, "Man, <laughs> that guy's a stud muffin." Oh, wow, I dig it. That's funny. all right. We're getting out of here. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to everybody who emailed us. Thank you, emails ringerfantasyfootball@gmail.com. Go to nfldraft.thringer.com about minor league baseball teams and whatever. Tell them about team needs. All right, go to nfldraft.thringer.com. I got I got your team needs there. We'll be talking about that soon. Mock drafts, everything. Big board, player, like, write-ups on everything. It's Go to NFLdraft.thereo.com. It's Do the it. best thing. Do it. Best guide anywhere. Thank you to Austin for helping this episode. Thank you to Kai for producing. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Flo Rida. Nice. Didn't we just do him? Flo Rida is one of the more underrated rappers of the last 20 years. That guy produces bangers. <laughs> I'm not even I'm disputing it, but it's just a funny sentence. It's so true. <laughs> that man from like 2007 to like 2014 was on an electric run that is underrated. I gotta say, I've been yeah. to a lot of parties where Flo Rida was like the soundtrack. Think about all of his classic hits. Low. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Club Can't Handle Me was like yeah. one of my favorite songs. Oh, uh, is that I would say in high school. Hell yeah, it is. Right round. Oh, going oh, down for that wild one. That was like, oh, wild ones. Good feeling. He remixed the the Avicii levels. My house. Somebody sing Welcome wild ones. to my house. That one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Whistle. That reminds me of Gronk for some reason. Gronk Florida came to my mind when did, I heard that. He did the the like the party song in the movie Neighbors, which is a great song. There you go. Welcome so. to my house. Shout out Flo Rida. Oh, going down for real? Did we already say that? Going yeah. down for real. That, that was the going down for real was like the NBA playoffs sign off music for a while. It was like the cut to commercial music. Great song. All right, goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.